Luke chapter 7, beginning at verse 18. Then John's disciples told him about all these things. So John summoned two of his disciples and sent them to the Lord, asking, Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for someone else? And when the men reached him, they said, John the Baptist sent us to ask you, Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for someone else? At that time, Yeshua healed many people of diseases, plagues, and evil spirits, and he granted sight to many blind people. He replied to them, Go and report to John the things you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, those with skin diseases are healed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the good news preached to them. And anyone who is not offended because of me is blessed. After John's messengers left, he began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swaying in the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft robes? Look, those who are splendidly dressed and live in luxury are in royal palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and far more than a prophet. This is the one it is written about. Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, no one is greater than John, but the least in the kingdom of Yahweh is greater than he. Have you ever met someone who you knew was special? I'm not talking about special in the cultural sense of the word, or special even in the sense of likability, but special in this sense. Thank you, son. You knew that the person had a relationship with the Creator that was different. They had a closeness with Yahweh that was visible in their life. Have you ever met someone like that? Well, we come to a text today where Yeshua tells us a little bit about such a man. This man was a relative to the Messiah. He was born to Levite parents. Both of them were Levites. You can read about this back in Luke chapter 1. And his name was Yohanan, or Johan for short. In English, we shorten it even further to John. But his mama and daddy called him Yohanan. And his name means Yahweh is gracious. And let me tell you something. When Yahweh sent this man to Israel, Yahweh was showing grace to Israel through this man. John was special, even from his birth. He was special, here's a few reasons why, because he was born to a woman who had been barren, and she was even past the age of childbearing in those days and at that time. He was special because he was filled with the Holy Spirit, while he was still inside of his mother's womb. He was special because he was picked to be a Nazarite. You can read about these guys in Numbers chapter 6. He was picked to be a Nazarite from birth. He was special because his conception was announced by an angel from heaven. And all of those things you can find in Luke chapter 1, I've taught in detail through Luke 1. And all of those things made this man that we're going to talk about today special. But there was something else that made him even more special. There was something that made him great. 
And that's what I want to talk about today. What makes a man great? What makes one great? The last time I taught in Luke, we covered Luke 7, 18 through 22, the text where John was in prison, experiencing a rough season in his life, a season where he needed assurance that Yeshua was indeed the Messiah. And Yeshua gave him that assurance by sending a message directly to him through the agency of John's disciples. And today we pick the account up in verse 23 where Yeshua says, And anyone who is not offended because of me is blessed. Now this verse really should have been attached to my last sermon on this text, but for some reason I chose to end with verse 22. Maybe I got excited and forgot to preach on verse 23. I don't know. But the word offend here, Luke 7, 23. The word offend here literally means to cause to stumble. And Yeshua is saying that those people who see Him doing everything that He's doing, healing the blind, the mute, the lame, casting out demons, raising the dead, preaching to the poor, everybody that watches Him do these things and they don't stumble over it. They're not offended by it. Those are the blessed ones. That's what He's saying. There were certainly people who did stumble over these things. Some thought preaching to the poor was not the end thing to do. Others thought that he cast out demons by the power of Satan rather than the power of Yahweh. Others thought he couldn't be the Messiah because he's too lowly. He's too much of a lowly status and he didn't overthrow the Roman government immediately like they expected the Messiah to come and do the first time. But instead of overthrowing the Roman government, This man spent his time rebuking the religious leaders of his day. All of these people stumbled over Yeshua. And that's because Yeshua is figuratively like a rock. You can either stand firm upon him as your foundation, or you can stumble over him and trip up. He's either the chief cornerstone of your life, or he's giving you a sprained ankle. One of the two. Now, John was not stumbling over Yeshua in his season of doubt. I preached on this in my last sermon. John wasn't stumbling over him. John was simply going through what all genuine believers go through in certain times and seasons of their life. Because John was a genuine believer, a true disciple. The rough season in his life increased his faith in the end rather than decreased his faith in the end. And the same will happen for each of you if you are a true disciple. If you're a true disciple, no matter how tough the season is in your life, when that season is over, you will come out with more faith on the other side than you had when you began to go into that rough season. That's a true disciple. If you're a false disciple, I can't see your heart, I don't know your mind today, I preach to the visible church but there's the visible church and there's also the invisible church. That is the elect, okay? So I'm preaching to the sheep. I see the visible people, I preach. If you're a true disciple, no matter what comes your way, you'll come out on the other side with more faith. If you're a false convert, what will happen is you'll go through the season and your faith will lessen and it will decrease and you will be offended, stumbled because of Yeshua and you will not be blessed. Now, this is Yeshua's point in verse 23. John was not offended by the Master. 
We see this in the next verses where Yeshua begins to speak highly of John. And that's okay because it's all right to let another man's lips praise you and not your own, Proverbs says. You're not supposed to do it yourself. But Yeshua, if he wants to speak highly of John, he can speak highly of John. And that's what he's going to do here in Luke seven twenty four through 25. He says this, After John's messengers left, he began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out to see? A reed swaying in the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft robes? Look, those who are splendidly dressed and live in luxury are in royal palaces. Yeshua speaks to the crowds about John because he's assuring them that John is legitimate. He's a true believer. Yes, he's in prison. But that does not mean that John's ministry was unsuccessful. We should never measure success in the way that the world measures success. Never. John was not wealthy, yet he was a successful minister. John was not popular among the religious, yet he was a successful minister. John didn't have nice clothes. He didn't have a lot to eat. Yet he was a successful minister. How was his success measured? He was faithful in doing the work that Yahweh sent him to do. That's how he was successful. But now, he was in prison. Now remember, he got thrown into prison because he spoke out of an unrepentant sin that Herod was involved in. Herod was a high-ranking official in the government. John spoke out publicly against Herod's unrepentant sin, Luke 3.18. But John was in prison at this time, and the crowds had probably forgotten somewhat about John. And maybe they had thought that if John really was successful, maybe he wouldn't be in prison. Well, Yeshua begins a series of questions here in verses 24 and 25, and it seems to me that he's being somewhat sarcastic, our Messiah. He asked them first if they initially went out into the wilderness to see a reed swaying in the wind. And he's basically asking them this, what made you go out into the wilderness to listen to John in the first place? When you heard about John before he was locked in prison, why did you go see what he was all about? What made you journey out into the wilderness? Did you just go out there to see a swaying reed? Now, some people, some commentators, take this reference to the reed literally, as though Yeshua is asking them if they just went out to look at the reeds in the wilderness. I think that's a possible understanding. It fits the next question he asks, which is also literal. But I think there's more to it than that. Sure, the people did not leave their homes to go into the wilderness to just look at a reed. But I think that Yeshua is also speaking figuratively here in this same breath. Did they go all the way into the wilderness to see someone who was just tossed to and fro by the wind like a reed that's swaying in the wilderness? That's not what got the people out into the wilderness to listen to this man preach. John was not somebody who was wishy-washy. He was a man of stability. He preached a straightforward message much more harder and harsher than Matthew. And he was speaking like a prophet of Yahweh would speak with authority. And that's what got the people out into the wilderness 
they knew something was special about John. They knew something was different about John. Something was great about him. Let's, we've got to go out and listen to this man preach in the wilderness. There's something different about John. He had the qualities of the prophets in ancient Israel. He was different than just another no-name that popped up on the scene wanting to make his voice heard. That wasn't John. John cared less about himself. John's message was not about himself. John could care less if when you left the wilderness, if you never remembered him again. He could care less. And that's part of what made him so great. I don't want to get ahead of myself. I'll get to that in a moment. The next question of sarcasm from Yeshua to the crowds is found in verse 25. And he asked them if they went out into the wilderness to see somebody dressed in soft or royal clothing. Is that what got you out into the wilderness, crowds? No. John's clothes were rough camel's hair. John's meals were locusts and wild honey. That's what John ate. Again, all the marks of a prophet. Just like in ancient times, John lived like the prophets did, only on what he needed to survive. Prophets in Israel were always men who devoted their life to Yahweh and cared not about what happened to them in the natural because their hope was not in material possessions. Now, Yahweh doesn't give that calling to all men. All men are not called to be prophets like John. Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 7 that some men remain single, some women remain single their whole life, and they can devote their life fully to the Lord. Other people get married, they have families, and they have to care about the things of the world, how they please their wife or their husband, and how they take care of their children to a certain extent. Obviously not above Yahweh. Yahweh comes first and then family after that. All men don't have the calling of a prophet on their life. But John did. John had the prophet's calling. And Yeshua is telling the people who are not prophets, He says, you didn't go all the way out into the wilderness to look at a man dressed in fine clothes. That's not what got you out into the wilderness. That wouldn't get you away from your homes. You go and visit the palace, or you might can see people in the city like that. There was something different that made you go out into the wilderness and listen to this man preach. There was something special about John, something great about John. He had the qualities of a prophet of Yahweh. Luke 7, 26. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you. And far more than a prophet. Now here we have what the crowds went out to see. And Yeshua knows this. They went out to see a prophet and they knew that he was a prophet. That's what got him out there to listen to the man preach because he wasn't normal. They had not had a prophet like this in Israel for about 400 years since the time of Malachi, which was at the same time of Ezra and Nehemiah. This was the last prophet. 400 years lapsed, and we have the Maccabean period. And then all of a sudden, this man, that's a thoroughbred Levite, is not governing or doing anything in the temple. He's out in the wilderness hollering, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. That got them out into the wilderness. We've got to go see what John's about. We've got to go listen to him preach. He's different. He's great. There's something special. He's got a message directly from Yahweh, and he's giving it to the people. That's why so many people who listened to John and then in turn were repentant and confessing their sin and then baptized, water baptized by John in the Jordan River, Mark 1, 4 through 8. 
He preached with conviction. And people were converted by the power of the Holy Spirit through John's preaching. Because you could feel it when he spoke. But, John was more than just a prophet. Yeshua says, far more than a prophet. John was actually the greatest prophet to ever live. And the next verse tells us why. Luke 7, 27. Look at it. Yeshua is still speaking. This is the one it is written about. Where? Well, the Old Testament, the Holy Scriptures, the Hebrew writings. Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way before you. Listen. The reason that John was far more than a prophet, that is the greatest prophet who ever lived, is because he was the man who would personally in live action, introduce the promised Messiah to Israel. No other prophet was given that privilege. Moses wrote about the Messiah. Isaiah, Jeremiah, those prophets foretold that he would one day come. But John, John would actually know him personally. John wouldn't just know him though. John would be his forerunner and he would point people to the fact that the Messiah was no longer coming but that he was here and he was in person. It would be like you were given the duty to go before a great figure upon the earth today and announce that he's coming after you and you're there to pave the way for him, to point people to him and to get people ready for this great figure. Well, this was John's job. In John's case, he preached repentance. That is, turning away from sin. Turning your back on sin and going in the opposite direction. That's what repentance is. And John was commissioned by Yahweh to bring with him a water baptism of repentance. I mentioned this earlier, but let me quote Mark 1, 4, where it says, quote, John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. End of quote. And in Matthew chapter 3, verses 5 through 6, we read, quote, People from Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the vicinity of the Jordan were flocking to him. And they were baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed their sin. John was getting everybody ready for the coming king of the kingdom of Yahweh. That's what John was doing. He was the forerunner for the Messiah that would come. He was preparing people to meet the Son of Yahweh. He's coming, John would say. The one you've read about. The one your parents and your grandparents in Israel have been telling you about. The promised one. The coming one. The sent one. The one that Yahweh delights in. The one that Yahweh wants you to listen to. He's no longer just coming. He's here. He's here. I'm going to show him to you. Prepare yourselves like a bride gets ready on her wedding day when she prepares for the husband she's about to marry. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Come and be baptized and confess your sins. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. The king is here. That was John's message. That's what made John so great. What a great job for Yahweh to give to an individual. What greater job could there be? than to be the forerunner of the very Son, only begotten of the, of the Heavenly Father. What greater job could you have? That's why he was far more than a prophet. He said, yes, I tell you, a prophet. 
but far more than a prophet. In Luke 7, 27, Yeshua, when He says, it is written, He's actually quoting from Malachi 3, verse 1. And I preached through the book of Malachi, verse by verse before, a few years back. You can listen to those sermons for a more detailed explanation of Malachi 3. But let me just say here that John is the messenger that comes before the Messiah to pave the way for the Lord. Malachi 3, verse 1 is fulfilled in Yohanan, preparing the way for Yeshua. Now I want you to look at what Yeshua says next. In Luke 7, 28. He says, I tell you, among those born of women, no one is greater than John. But the least in the kingdom of Yahweh is greater than he. Now, this is an astounding statement. This is an astounding statement. It's a true statement. There's no man ever to be born of a woman. Obviously, let me put this out there. It should be obvious. Obviously, minus the man who's talking. Yeshua's the one that's making the statement. This is not including Yeshua. Yeshua's saying there's no greater man besides me born of a woman than John. Not Noah. Not Abraham. Not Jacob Israel. Not Moses, not Samuel, not Ezekiel, not Hezekiah, not Ezra, Nehemiah, Isaiah. None of them are greater than John. And I want you to realize why. Why? Why is John greater than all of these men? Well, it's because of his function. All of the other great patriarchs and prophets, they looked forward to the Messiah. Remember Abraham, John 8? Abraham rejoiced to see the Messiah's day. I believe Yahweh revealed the Messiah's day to Abraham in the night visions, according to the Apocrypha. He chose to do that. That was great. But he still had to look forward to the Messiah. But John actually got to introduce him. To walk up to you and say, this is him. Right here. This is the man we've been reading about. This is the man the prophets foretold of. He got to proclaim him. And then John got to baptize the Messiah in front of the crowds, and hear the Father's voice down from heaven. Where Yahweh said, This is my beloved Son. I am well pleased in Him. Listen to Him. Because of this, John is the greatest man to ever be born. Now, when we think of greatness, we think of all kinds of things. Our minds race. I know one thing that people judge greatness by today because I live in the world just like everybody else. It's by how much money a person has. That's one major thing that we judge greatness by today. The richer the man, the greater the man. That's how our society today judges greatness. You know, somebody could be dirt poor and win the lottery, and you'd see people come out of the woodworks that that man hadn't seen for 30 years with a cake baked at his door saying, Hey, buddy, how are you doing today? Why? Because all of a sudden he's great, not because they love him, but because he's got a pocket full of money now, see. But let me tell you something. That monetary greatness is not what's going on in our blessed, righteous, holy text today. That's not what's going on. It's not material possessions that make a man great. That's not what made John great. It's not his social status. His social status didn't make him great. If John lived today, he probably wouldn't have many Facebook friends, right? Many Twitter followers. He probably wouldn't have those kind of things. His greatness isn't measured by how well he is received by people. None of that is what makes John great. 
None of it's what makes John great. Do you know what makes him great? Do you know what makes him the greatest man to ever be born of a woman? It's all about his relationship with Yeshua the Messiah. John is the forerunner of the Lamb of Yahweh, the Son of Yahweh, the King of Israel, and that's what makes John great. The greatest man to ever be born of a woman. That's what makes him great. And we should never let that leave our minds. Because the same thing determines greatness today. It was like that then and it hasn't changed in 2015. The same thing determines greatness. Your greatness, brothers and sisters, you listen to me, beloved children, sheep of Yahweh, your greatness is not determined by the clothes that you wear or the car that you drive, or where you live, or what your job is, or how eloquent you may or may not talk, or how many people think that you're popular. None of that is what makes you great. Greatness is determined by only one thing. One thing, and that is your relationship with the Son of Yahweh. That's how your greatness is determined. Is He your rock? Is He your brother? Do you follow Him? Do you believe in the one that Yahweh has sent? Do you trust in His blood that justifies us? The precious, holy, unblemished, undefiled, uncorruptible blood of the new covenant. If you have those things present in your life, you are great! You could walk in here in a burlap sack and you'd still be just as great! It doesn't matter how good you smell or how good your hair is fixed or if you're wearing $250 sneakers. It doesn't matter. Those things do not make you great. It is Yeshua the Messiah. If He is in your life, that's what makes you great. John, you say burlap sack, Brother Matthew. John wore the hair of a cattle. Ate locusts and wild honey. You'd probably think that's a crazy man if he showed up today but he was the greatest man to ever be born of a woman. None of those other things is why. But because of his relationship with Almighty Yahweh. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, it would do all of us well to think about this every day of the week and every minute of the day and to seek to draw closer to the Messiah in our walk. Instead of spending our time, instead of me spending my time in the rat race of life, seeking to become more loved by people in the world who don't really love you. They only look at the things that you have, quote-unquote. That's not real love. People that love you will love you when everything is gone from you. They will love you and they will still be your friend. I don't care if you're dirt poor or you're filthy rich. And Yahweh has both types of people. But that's not what makes you great or not great. Real greatness, hallelujah, is not about seeking to become well-known by society. Real life is not about making more of yourself. Real greatness is not about how popular you are. Real greatness is not about other people serving you. That's not real greatness. Real greatness is about making less of ourselves and making more of our elder brother. And John was such a great example of that. You know, here we have Yeshua speaking highly of John. Lifting John up. Our Messiah, our Lord, He's exalting John. But did you know that John never spoke highly of himself? John never exalted himself. Listen to what John says in Luke 3.16. He says this, I baptize you with water, 
But one is coming, and he's talking about the Messiah, who is more powerful than I. I am not worthy to unloose the strap of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. John never exalted himself. That's part of what made him so great. He pointed everybody to the Messiah. He says that Yeshua is more powerful than he is, and he says, I'm not even worthy to stoop down and loosen the Master's sandal strap. I'm not worthy to do that. John considered that an act of having to be worthy to do that for the Messiah. He said, I'm not worthy. John never exalted himself. And the less we make of ourselves and the more we make of the Messiah, the greater person that we are. The less we talk about what we do and the more we talk about what Yeshua has done for us, the greater person you are. The less we trust in our own righteousness and the more we trust in Yahweh, our righteousness, who is Yeshua, the greater the person we are. Away with all this nonsense today that we need to succeed by worldly measures. Elijah got to work with me a couple of weeks ago, I think now, for two or three days. And I told him, I said, Son, if Yahweh sees fit that you get married and have a big family, I'm behind you. Son, if Yahweh sees that you never get married and you live your life as a single man, I'm behind you. Son, if Yahweh wants you to be filthy rich, I'm behind you. Son, if Yahweh wants you to be dirt poor, I'm behind you. But son, the most thing that I pray about when I lay my head down at night and I meditate on is that you never, ever stop loving Yahweh. So that we cannot just spend this life together, but that we can spend eternity forever in the kingdom of heaven. That is my prayer. That's my prayer. That's my prayer. Oh, hallelujah. Away with all this nonsense that we need to succeed by worldly measures. Away with all of this garbage that has us measuring people by how fancy they look and how much money that they have. Away with all of this stupidity that has us trying to compete with each other and fight with one another and look at pop stars and filmmakers and Hollywood actors and football players and gold medalists and millionaires as though they're the great ones in the world. They're not great! They're not great. John was greater than all of them put together. John was greater and didn't have a place to lay his head. He lived in the wilderness. Oh, hallelujah. I feel my help. Yeshua was greater even than John. He didn't have a place to lay his head either. He he was a homeless. The weight of the world rests on the shoulders of a homeless man. Oh, hallelujah. With dirty feet and dirty hair that smelled like body odor. Come on. This is the Messiah. The anointed one of Yahweh. Oh, Brother Matthew said that's too strong. I don't know that it's strong enough. I don't know that it's strong enough. Oh, all of that. Away with all of that. It's so easy to think, well, so and so, look at him. He just he just signed a contract. He's going to make $10 million a year. That man's got to be great. No, that's not how you determine greatness. That's not how you determine success. None of that's right. The great ones are not these people. You know who the great ones are? The great ones are the ones that few people made not ever even know about. 
the pastor out in the middle of nowhere that's been faithful in preaching to the same people for 50 years and nobody knows him and he's not on Facebook and he's not on Twitter and you can't find him on the internet because he don't have a computer, but yet he stays faithful to preaching to the sheep every week, day in and day out, studying the Word of Yahweh and remaining faithful to His calling and sticking to the Word and then he dies and nobody even knows about him. That's the great ones in the world right there. The ones that are close-knit to Yeshua, the Messiah. That's what we need to be. Brothers and sisters, the great ones are the ones who use their lives to point people to Christ. And they care not about who knows of them. Or even if they get thrown into prison and have their head chopped off like John. This is very convicting to to me. Very convicting to me. Because it's so easy in the world that we live in, to get sidetracked and to think, well, this makes me great or that makes me great and I've got to keep up with this and I've got to do that. And I've got all these things that are plaguing my mind. And then Yahweh comes and says, Matthew, what in the world are you trying to do? What are you, why are you trying to measure success by the ways of the world? I've put you where I want you. I've given you what you need. You be faithful to that. That's what makes me great. My relationship with Yeshua, and that's what makes you great. What makes a man or a woman great? His relationship with the only great man to ever walk on the planet. The Messiah, the Son of the Most High Yahweh. You stay close to Him. You believe in Him. You pray to Yahweh through Him. And you always point people to Him. And never to yourself. Never to yourself. And when you do those things, you know what? Mankind, they're not going to consider you great. But that doesn't matter. Yahweh looks upon you and pronounces you as great. When you work righteousness, the reality is it doesn't matter if any soul upon the earth ever knows about it. Because Yahweh is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love that you show forth His name to the saints. He's not unrighteous. And that's why at the end of Luke 7, 28, 28 again says, I tell you, among those born of women, no one is greater than John, but the least in the kingdom of Yahweh is greater than he. That's why Yeshua says that as great as John is in this life, the least in the kingdom, that's the age to come. The least in the kingdom is greater than John. As great as John was, the smallest member that makes it to the kingdom is greater than John. That's our status as believers in the final kingdom of Yahweh. The only way to enter that kingdom is by faith. By faith in Yahweh, by faith in Yeshua, His Son. And that faith is a living faith. It's a penitent faith. It's an obedient faith. And when I say by faith, I mean all those things, even without saying them, living, penitent, obedient. Because any other type of professed faith is not faith at all. It's no different than the demons. You must be justified by a living, penitent, obedient faith. Yahweh gives His gift of that faith to His elect. And I hope and pray, I hope and pray that that's everybody in here tonight. I hope and pray. So do you want to be great in Yahweh's eyes? 
it seems backwards what I'm about to say, but this is how you do it. You humble yourself. You don't seek honor. You don't seek fame. You don't seek fortune. Be content with where Yahweh has placed you. Yahweh, if He's supplying your needs, be content. And point people to the Messiah. That's what makes us great. Nothing more, nothing less. Isn't He wonderful? Let's stand and close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank You so much for Your Word. My prayer is that we would take heed to the words of Your Son about His relative, John the Baptizer. We've read them. We've covered them tonight. And we'll get more into them in the future. I pray, Yahweh, that this message would sink deep into Matthew's heart and also the hearts of all the brothers and sisters and children living here today. It's so easy for us to get off the narrow path and think all these thoughts because we have so much influence and pressure coming from worldly ways. But Father, I pray that we would get, get back to your word and we would love what it teaches us and we would believe it even though it's the opposite of what the world says. And then we would step back and watch you work in your time. And it will be a beautiful, wonderful thing. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending your Son to live perfectly, die sacrificially, and be raised on the third day for our justification. Thank you so much. And it's through Him we pray. Amen.